0: Thanks for tuning in to listen to this week's Torah Study class. Stay tuned to, After the Torah Study for details on how to stay in touch with this ministry and keep up with all of our content. I hope you enjoy the study. Shalom, everybody. This is our biblical survey. and We are now in Bereshit 11, Genesis chapter 11. Might start moving a little faster. Um, Just because we're getting through some of the more foundational, we'll just have to see how that goes. All right. So we left off where we looked at the scattering of the families last week. Um, I showed you that Noah settled right there, planted his vineyard right there in northwestern Iran, um, just on the foothills of, of Mount Ararat and the other mountains down south of there. Um, so the whole earth was of one language and of one speech and it came to pass as they journeyed east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar who knows where that is Euler. Shinar Shinar is that Mesopotamian region where Iraq is today all right. and they dwelt there and they said one to another come let us make brick and burn them thoroughly and they had brick for stone and bitumen they had for mortar and they said come let us build us a city and a tower with its top in heaven and let us make for ourselves a name lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth and so this If you just kind of casually read it, it doesn't seem to say much. And most people don't really understand sort of the depth of this phrase right here. Let us make for ourselves a name. All right. This is in verse four. Verse four. V'na'aseh lanu shem. V'na'aseh lanu shem. We'll make for ourselves a name. All right. We just learned about the sort of the deeper level, deeper meaning of this letter and how it's connected to God's name. Okay. So uh, this making a name for themselves was basically, we will live off of our own reputation. We'll protect ourselves. We will be mighty and we learned also that Nimrod was the one who did this, right? Yes.
1: Yes. Uh, and, and you know what? <clears throat> when, you, when you talk about make a name for ourselves, when you think about yeah, yeah, when he talks about my name is known throughout, you know, my name is known throughout, meaning that people know the, his power and people know yeah. the things that he's done.
0: Yeah. And, and so it is, it's kind of that idea. It's the same thing. It's the same sin of, of Gan Eden where Hasatan said, you will be like, yeah, you'll be like God. Okay. So they were building a tower up and they said, okay, he's up there. Well, let's go up there and we can be equal to him. He's got a name. We'll have a name. All right. So this is far more than just uh, human aspirations to goodness because there is a difference. All right, Um, people. In my opinion, who want their name published and and want recognition, I think they're dangerously walking toward that line. You know what I'm saying? And there are people out there who create it. Are y'all alive? Yes. (coughs) Um. So, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. Ten nafuts. You should recognize that. Right? You hear that every Shabbat. Yafutsu. This is the same word. Nafuts. We will be scattered. So, does that earth.
1: signify that, that uh, another <coughs> nation may come and capture them and Send them all over the
0: place. No, they weren't having to worry about that. They were all one people, one tongue. All right.
1: So what does that mean? Lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the earth. In other world? words, instead
0: of branching out, let uh, let's let's come together and be. Basically, it's the same idea that that new age religions have today. That we'll all grow into and be God okay if we stick together, if mankind sticks together we can we can evolve we can become something all right if we scatter we won't be able to do that. Thoughts Make sense?
1: yeah, thank you.
0: Yeah, you can't hear Melanie, but there there are people on the earth who are trying to create two classes of people, plebes who do the, the, the physical labor, and then those who enjoy being the important ones. It's the same idea. It's the same exact thing. And they need everybody together. That's why they're trying to mask everybody and make everybody force everybody into the same mindset. That's basically what this is doing. All right. We don't need God, basically. All right.
1: One world order.
0: One world order. Yes, absolutely. Right here in the scriptures. That's exactly what it is. And Yahweh came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men built. And Yahweh said, Behold, they are one people and they all have one language. And this is what they can begin to do. And now nothing will be withheld from them, which they purpose to do. Come and let us go down and there confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. Hava navla, <inaudible> confound. Sham, sefatam, confound there their language. So that they will not be able to understand one another's speech. So he scattered them abroad from there upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore was the name of it called Babel. All right. Therefore was the name of it called Babel. Al Ken Karashma Babel. Babylon. It doesn't show up as Babylon. For some reason, the King James redactors and everybody since then. I shouldn't have said translators, not redactors, uh, have translated this one as Babel or Babel. And the Nebuchadnezzar one is Babylon. And in the Hebrew, it's the same. It's Babel. And they both mean confusion in both places. All right. And Babel means confusion. Because Yahweh did there confound the language of all the earth, and from there did Yahweh scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. This is the beginning of man-made religion. This is where it all began. And if you check history, all of the religions that emerge out of that area and spread in all directions, back at that time, they're all very, very similar. They have different names for the same gods. Because they took the ideas of the gods that they were worshiping, worshiping at Babel, with one language, which was probably Aramaic or Hebrew. I personally believe it was Hebrew, the original language, and they were messing it all up. And then they got God instantaneously scattered them or confounded them, I should say, their languages and scattered them and sent them in all directions. And all of those deities suddenly had new names.
2: I just had a conversation recently with someone about this. What we were talking about was how so many of these other religions have like little pieces and tidbits of the one true faith, right? Like there's yeah, absolutely. A lot of things. And I, I brought this up that we all came from this one group. And so, yeah, they're going to know about that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, there's something there.
0: Well, these guys were alive when Shem was alive. These guys the people who survived the flood, Shem lived for a long time after the flood. So these guys knew it. They were they were barely they might he might have been in the ground and, and cooled off. His body might have cooled off, and then this happened. You know, it wasn't very long. You, you know what you get what I'm saying? So they all had the understanding of the flood. That's why you go to India. You could have gone to India 400 years ago before English people got there in, in large numbers, and you'd have found a flood narrative there without any influence of from a Western Christian perspective at all. They had a flood narrative. Um, I think that flood narrative goes as far as Japan, which is the furthest east you can go. I'm not sure of that, but I think it does. But certainly in Iran and in those all those Stan regions, over to the east of there and, and India and uh, I think even Greece and uh, places in, in northern Africa, they all had a flood narrative. The, 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 the people who were, who were scattered, quickly scattered in that region 3,500 years ago, where societies, the first societies, were still digging them up, you know, and so they, they all got to those same places relatively quickly and they all had different names for the same gods. Mm. They might've, you know, the, 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 the theology of those gods probably changed a little bit because they they moved <laughs> they needed other things. They worshiped. they began worshiping other things, but it all stems from here. Every last bit of it. no doubt in my mind about that. And that's what this is talking about. Let us build us a city. A tower. Yes, this is a physical thing that's representing something spiritual. I believe the physical actually happened, but I I believe the spiritual is what was more important. You know, I I remember reading this as a child and thinking, what's the big deal? They never would have got there. You know, that was my logic as an 11 year old boy. They never would have got there. You know, what's the big deal? It wasn't the physical building itself that I was disturbed about it was the they're reaching for what india calls nirvana they're reaching for godhood the same thing in the the sin in the garden it's the same exact thing and that's what mankind is reaching for now Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all right questions no all right we're getting to the shemites which is where anti-Semitism comes from, Shem. Shemites. These are the generations of the Shemites. He was 100 years old when he begot Arphaxad. two years after the flood. Arphaxad and Shem lived after he begot him 500 years. You see that? 500 years. That's what I'm saying. Well, if you check these generations... Shem was alive. I believe he was alive when this crap went on. (laughs) Pardon my tongue, but that, you know, this is junk. This stuff still plagues the world right now. And he was alive. He lived for 500 years after the flood. All right? And he begot sons and daughters, lots of them. And our Pachshad lived 35 years and begot Shelah. He lived in after he begot Shelah 403 years. Right along with his daddy. Father and son died nearly about the same time. And begot sons and daughters. And Shelah lived 30 years and begot Ever, 403 years and begot sons and daughters. And Ever lived 34 years and begot Peleg. And Ever lived and he begot Peleg 430. He lived. 400 years as well. So he lived 100 years past his dad. So he, I guarantee you he saw this. Peleg lived 30 years and begot Reu. We will see or we see. Peleg lived after he begot Reu 209 years. Starting to drop off, right? And begot sons and daughters. Reu lived 32 years and begot Siru. Reu lived after he begot Serug 207 years. We got mm-hmm. sons and daughters. Dropping off. Just a tiny men. Mm-hmm. <coughs> and Sarug lived 30 years and we got Nahor. He lived 200 years after after, and he got sons and daughters. Nahor lived nine, 29 years and we got Terah, That's Abraham's father. And he lived 119 years. Bam. Big drop. How close is that to what God told Moshe? A
2: year. One year.
0: One year. From what he told Nawakh and how long Moshe Mm lived. Terah lived 70 years and begot Avram, Nahor, and Haran and I do believe they are triplets. All right. And if you go back to our map, I'm not going to pull it up tonight. Mm -hmm. I will try to send it to you. Someone asked for it and I didn't send it. I want to send it globally to all of you. But you'll see these names on there. Arpachshad; these are all the Semites. They pretty much settled in the Shinar region in the Middle East, all around there. And Avram, where was he when God sent him? We're gonna we're gonna find out that he's in Shinar. He's in question. He's in a southern part. Of it, though. Yeah.
1: What What makes you believe they were triplets?
0: Tarach lived seventy years and begot Avram Nahor in Haran. You can't bear time. three sons in one year. You can't do it.
2: And every other time, it just lists one person.
0: Yeah, and it lists that at this age, he begot so-and-so, and at this age, he begot so-and-so. Right. So I can't prove it, but I just believe that's what it says, is because he was 70 years old when he had three boys. You can't do that unless they're triplets.
2: All right. Do you think that a lot of, huh? I'm sorry. Do you think that a lot of the reason why we see the uh, the drop off and how long they lived is because as they were going through, maybe they were, I guess, uh, moving further away from, from righteousness. I think that part is of
0: part it. of it. I do, I think that is part of it, but I also think that. Um, Make sure I'm recording this. Am I recording? Yeah. Yes. Yes, yeah, recording. I also think that um, it's because of the change in atmosphere. Oh, yeah. Remember that big water mm-hmm. umbrella is gone now? Mm-hmm. I think it's just more exposure to radiation. They had minimal radiation when there was a bubble around the earth up in the, up in the firmament.
1: Right.
0: But when God popped that bubble and caused, caused it to rain for the first time ever, now that canopy is gone. That bubble is gone. And it's, it's a gas, it's vapors moving back and forth vapor, you know, water coming down, vapor going up water back and forth. Right. So water as a submariner, I can tell you this, our primary defense against radiation from the reactor was water. Water stops radiation. And so, you know, we had a big tank on the submarine between the reactor and the people tank that was about six feet wide and the the girth of the ship all the way around 45 feet. And it was filled with water. And that was our main defense against the reactor. So I believe that's what it is. That big barrier, I don't know how thick it was. I can't tell you that. Only a mathematician would have to measure the depth of the ocean and, the, you know, and do all kinds of science to figure out how thick it was, but it had to be pretty thick and it's gone. It was a radiation barrier. And that's the main reason I believe. I believe that's why God said, now you gotta eat meat instead of just eating vegetables like they did the, the previous 1,100 years. He said, now, you know, you got to eat animals. And he put fear in the animals. Remember last week we talked about it. He put enmity in the animals. They got along. Man man and beast got along. Beast and beast got along before this. Uh, everything was an herbivore. Nothing was a carnivore until the flood happened. God gave them teeth. We talked about this last week. I specifically remember that telling you that God gave them teeth in preparation for what would happen after the flood. Remember that?
1: Yep. So
0: yes. So I believe that's why their lifespan is diving. Of course, they came out of bodies that had never been exposed to radiation. Shem Ham or Shem Ham and Yafet, they weren't exposed to radiation until after. And they were already, Noah was 600 years old. His boys were like 500 years old. They'd never been exposed to radiation ever. And so they still live, Shem lived for 500 more years. And so, but I think also what you're saying plays a part in it. I do also believe that it's the increase in sin that is also driving that down because Torah is life. A a good lifestyle will keep you alive longer, right? Mm -hmm. So I believe it's a combination of both those things. All right. These are the generations of Terach. He begot Avram, Nahor, and Haran. Haran begot Lot. And Lot died in the presence of, or Haran died in the presence of his father Terach in the land of his nativity in Ur of the Chaldees. And Avram and Nahor took them wives. The name of Avram's wife was Sarai, and Nahor's was Milka, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milka, and the father of Iska, and Sarai was barren. She had no child. And Terah took Avram, his son. So they moved from Ur with daddy. Avram wasn't called out of Ur. I think I've even mistakenly said that because I heard it so much when I was a kid. And he was, but his father already moved him. And I do believe that it's possible that Terah was supposed to be the one to do this. But then he just said, eh, not going to do it. <laughs> and so God called Avram. Okay, so Tarach took Avram and his his son and Lot ben Haran, his son's son, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, and his son Avram's wife, and they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees to go to the land of Canaan. That's why I believe that. You see it? Yes. And they came to Haran and dwelt there. Maybe we should look at the map so I can show you this. You wanna do that? Yes. Because it's an odd route, kind of. It was a little out of the way, if you ask me, the way they went. So, I think I put it in here, or is it just in here? Pre-flood calculation. Oh, we could look at that. I don't know where my map went.
1: I'm the map, I'm the map, I'm the
0: map. I'm you would be driving map. Shelby crazy right now.
2: I was actually <laughs> just that same exact thing, though. <laughs> the door just calls for it and it comes up.
0: I I don't know where my map went. I thought it was in here, but it's not. Sorry, guys. I'll find it. Dang it. I could have sworn I left it in here. Uh, Ah, it's probably in here. Yep, there it is. So, or, oh, this is not gonna be good enough. is over here. But it, yeah, I can show you anyway, I think. So you see Damascus right here, where is that? What country is, is that in? Syria. Syria. So Israel is down here. This is this is the Sinai Peninsula right here. And it doesn't show you the Dead Sea and the Jordan River and all that, but this is Israel right in here. So, <clears throat> oh, yeah, Shinar is here. I don't know what I was thinking. So here's the Tigris and Euphrates rivers. You see that? Yes. Babylon's down here somewhere. Down in this area. Yes. That's Ur. Actually, Ur is south of there. So Ur is closer to the south, if I remember right. Nonetheless, the place where he went was Haran. And Haran is way up here. So had it been me, and maybe it's because this was all desert and he didn't want to go through the desert. He was just following the river to keep himself watered. That's probably what he was doing.
2: Absolutely.
0: Okay. And then when he got here, he decided, huh, this is a nice place. I think I'll stay. Okay. So he just stopped. He was going to Canaan over here. Do you see that? That's his. Yes. That's where it says he was going. I think that's a phrase that gets overlooked. I, I haven't really deeply thought on it until recently. And that it, I'm like, oh, my goodness. What if God called him and he didn't do it? <laughs> Okay, because where does God send Avram? Henan, okay, Henan, from Haran. All right, and look, Terah died in Haran. That's the next thing he says. Yes, he only lived two hundred and five years, and he died in <coughs> Haran. It's right. it's
1: it's amazing how uh, you look back and. You believe that Abraham was called out of out of Ur because it's preached so much. And and even to the fact that he that Abraham, when God called Abraham, he told him to take him and his family. They said that it that he took his father and out of disobedience, uh, they had to go back to Bethel. Remember when they had to went back to Bethel or whatever? I, I've just heard it preached like that, and I that's the story in my head that. Abraham left Ur with his father, but God said to leave his kinfolk and just take his immediate family. So they was like he's in, he's being disobedient already, and then that's why he couldn't get to where he was going. It's so many stuff. So I, I, it's amazing.
0: Yeah, it, it's it's amazing how you can be looking at the text, but when someone is talking to you, they're telling you something different, and you don't see it. Yeah. Why?
1: The power of suggestion.
0: <laughs> yeah, because you trust them. You know, this is why God tells us to test all spirits, test every spirit. Okay, and not everyone who believes that is a is a, a just a blatant liar. They just bought it themselves and they never looked into right. it. Right. They they just had it in their mind that that's the way it was, and they read it and they like, okay, I didn't see anything. They didn't study. It. They read. It. There is a difference.
1: And I'm guilty of it. So I, I know I everybody, wasn't everybody is.
0: <laughs> yeah, everybody is. And that's why so many people believe the wrong things, is because everybody does it. They heard it said that way. Mama said it to me. You can't overturn what mama said. I've actually had a person tell me that. Melanie's met it, she was there when it happened. <laughs> My mama said, you know, and what it was, he was he was a church of Christ and it was one of their little pet doctrines that and he got fighting mad, literally redneck fighting mad, because I I told him his mama was wrong. <laughs>
2: no Kurt Sanders, you wrong. Don't talk about nobody, mama now. <laughs> That's
1: right.
0: <laughs> mama so my, my mama, my mama. they'd
1: be like Mama them said.
0: Uh-huh. That's right. But the word of God plainly says it. Uh, Terach took Avram and just to make it even more firm let's look at it in the Hebrew (laughs) by Terach he took Terach Terach did the taking and I know it even more because of this et which points to Avram do you see it yep Terach is the one who took Avram and left Avram didn't take his father, he wasn't being disobedient, he didn't come out of a war, he was on a journey with his father who said, We're moving. All right. His father was going to Canaan, but he stopped there. He settled there.
1: And then back then in them days, <laughs> the father was the head of everybody. Mm-hmm. The, all the clans, and they had to, they had to do what daddy said.
0: Exactly. So, yeah, there's a lot in these, these begets. There's a lot of information, important information that's hidden in there that people do not see because they don't read them. <laughs> it's amazing to me.
1: <laughs> I used to be guilty. <laughs> I was like, I, don't, I can't even pronounce these names. Leave me alone.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm still guilty, Tracy.
0: Yeah. Okay, so he's leaving the area of, of all of this stuff that we've been talking about, okay? So Bavel was was right over here. might be where about that dot is right there. Uh, that might be Bavel, and then Ur would be down here. I don't know it exactly. I can't remember it exactly, but I know Ur is farther further the south. And so it looks to me like he trekked up the river And stops. And I think it's right about there in that bend. All right. And uh, um, all of that stuff that we were talking about, Nimrod built that tower right about here. And it's from that spot that everybody scattered into all of these. This is the scattering you're looking at. Because we read all these names last week, but when we read those names, they had not scattered. I just showed you the map to show you the names. Are you with me? So, the scattering happened in this chapter, and this is where they ended up, but the last chapter kind of tells us their names. All right. Then we get to the big one, Lech Lecha. Now, Yadavah said unto Abraham, for yourself, go, Lech Lecha, (laughs) from your country. And from your kindred and from your father's house unto the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great. Look at that. He's not seeking a name for himself. Right? Mm -hmm. Right. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing and I will bless him that bless you and him that curses you will I curse And in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. I'm going to go to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a nation. A goy. People get all crooked about this word goy. Goy does not mean Gentile unless it's unless it is sewn up in certain context. All right, Goy means nation. Goy gadol. So this this
1: promise, this promise, "I will bless them that bless you and him that curses you will I curse," is to the the nation that that God is promising Avram at this point.
0: Well, yes, because they're inside of him.
1: Right, so you know how today we say we're the seed of Abraham, and we use this for for ourselves. I mean, I don't know, because because some things were meant for certain people at certain times, and then sometimes it's meant for everybody. But of well, course, let's look, you know, let's look at
0: that because there is some truth to it. It's just that people perverted a little bit. Okay, just as Abraham trusted Elohim and it was accounted to him for Zedekiah, you must know therefore that those who trust in absolute trust are the children of Abraham. Because Elohim knew in advance. This is the foreknowledge of God that Sheol also writes about over in Romans chapter nine, Romans nine. People can't understand that God plans ahead. He's, a, he's the greatest chess player on the face of the earth. He created the earth. He plans every move way ahead of time, like the teeth in the, in the beast that were vegetarians. He knew it was going to happen. He knew they needed teeth after the flood. And it's almost, it's, it's hard for us to wrap our heads around it, but God wanted things to be perfect and stay that way. So he created them perfect. Right, otherwise he would he would have just created Adam as what we are and just put the sin in front of us and just let us run amok, you know. But he didn't do that. He created him perfectly, and he gave him every chance to just stay that way. Yeah, you know, Melanie's talking about organs that we don't use anymore because we. We don't eat so much vegetables. It's, it's the, the uh, appendix. Mm, yeah.
1: Uh,
0: because we don't eat the heavy vegetation that we used to. So we've got this organ hanging there that they don't even know what it's for today. You know? So, But the point is, is that God plans ahead. And <clears throat> that's what he's talking about here. God knew in advance that the nations would be declared righteous through faith, through absolute trust. Okay. Yeah,
1: and I think I think no, I was just saying, I think what what it comes down to, we say things because I I always said that you know, I claimed that all the time, but not knowing why I claimed it,
0: sure, yeah. And it's, it's almost in that sense what you're talking about is a bit of absconding with it, you know. And I do believe that there are people who abscond with the blessings, they just want the blessing, and so they become a uh, that kind of a believer, you know, because they are seeking material things from God instead of what God is trying to imbue to us. They don't realize God's trying to give us righteousness. They're, they're, they're off after it. Some of them are after the blessing. Some of them want their own form of righteousness. Some of them want their own name, their own reputation, and they use God for those, for those purposes. But what this is saying is that Elohim knew in advance that the nations, the Goyim, would be declared righteous through absolute trust. And because of that, he first declared to Abraham, as it is said in the scriptures, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So then it is those who trust, who are blessed through Abraham, the trusting one. That's the family of faith right there. It was offered and it belongs to the Jewish people first. And it still does because Yeshua is a Jew. But it's for everyone and it's only through trust. Right. There's not a Jewish person alive who, who inherits that blessing unless he knows Messiah.
1: Right. Amen.
0: So the, the, the blessing of Abraham is through trust and the blessing is not necessarily material, material. People think too much about the material world, the, the, the mammon, the, the, uh, you know, the stuff they can see with their eyes and the stuff they covet. They think entirely too much about that and not about the spiritual side of things. And this is talking primarily about being in the presence of God and being gifted righteousness. That's the blessing. Amen. <laughs> so so it is is it it is ours, okay? But we don't abscond with it and it was given to Abraham's descendants first they had what we call today first right of refusal does everybody know what that is Yes. that's what it is the Jews have first right of refusal on the gospel they do It's, it's sad that so many of them exercise that right and they do but to them, the promises were given. To them, the custodian—they are the custodians of the Word of God. They have been for six, you know, five thousand years, four thousand years, and and uh, but they cannot be saved without trusting Yeshua, because that's what Abraham looked forward to. It's that foreknowledge part that we may get into, especially when we get to the Book of Romans, we have to. But it's already surfacing here. God knew in advance that He was going to bless the nations through faith and it's the faith of abraham that he used so he was thinking ahead it's a chess move way back when the game first started that's all it is
1: you know that actually also you have to keep that in mind when you think about um yeah uh, it's a hack and oh golly i'm having a yeah, brain yeah, no, I'm actually talking about uh, Esau, because him he, he hated, but he loved. No, uh, Esau and uh, Esau, come on, I'm having Yaakov. a yeah, yeah, thank you. So he he hated Esau, but he loved Yaakov. And you only this will only make sense if you understand that he knows from the beginning, the heart of man.
0: Exactly. Exactly. People, some people just cannot wrap their mind around the fact that God knew everybody before they existed, even before he uttered, Yehi or let there be light before God uttered, let there be light. He already knew every one of us. He he mapped our lives like a program. This is the best analogy I can come up with, which is full of if then choices. When I learned this in the Navy, it was like, OK, now I kind of get it uh, in a program. In a computer program, especially today, if you log into a computer program today and it's even probably different than what I'm talking about. Generation six it's probably in generation eight or nine by now. I don't know. I haven't followed programming for a while, but you can kind of read it and figure it out and what it says. But what you don't know is that that thing that you're looking at in the program has been broken down into another thing and then it's broken down into another thing and then another thing and then another thing and then when you get at the bottom it's all just ones and zeros and those ones and zeros are going through flip-flops and multiplexers and that's just directing those bits which way to go kind of and so God has done that with all of our lives there's there's a thousand different ways that we're going to choose to walk but he already knows the perfect plan and we deviate from it and then, okay, we're over here often in, in the bit bucket, we used to call it in programming, over here in the junk bucket, and we repent. And that's the element that the rest of the world is missing. They don't understand repentance. We repent, and what does he do? Put us right back on the path. And then maybe we're a little bit better at staying there and getting to the end of the program successfully. Are you, are you guys following? Yes. So... so God's already mapped every possibility and he knows the the final outcome and he knows how bad we boogered it up in the meantime. The main thing to worry about is the final outcome. And if you keep that gate of the final outcome in mind, which is resurrection from the dead and eternal life through trust in Yeshua alone, then everything that happens in the program is just, it's just stuff. (laughs) You know, I was thinking about it today because everything that I've been doing I've been bumping up against the weirdest difficulties that are not provoked by me in any way, not at all, the weirdest at at work, just about every system that I log into, I go in, I give them a password, you know, I got about 12, 15 different systems I got to log into, applications and stuff like that, and just about every one of them has given me problems, just about every last one of them, including taking time off which I have to do next week. And, and it's critical to get it in seven days ahead of time. And I, and here I am on, on the last hour. And I have to go and say, I told the woman, I say, the the secretary, I was like, you're going to call me a goober, but I can't get in, you know, cause you know, if it weren't for other people witnessing it, they would all think that I'm just stupid and don't know technology. They don't know that I worked in it for 35 years. (laughs) But I was thinking about it on the way home. It, I wasn't frustrated at all about it. I was just thinking about it. I was thinking, you know, it, publishing the book. I, I have to tell you guys about that. I've had some weird difficulties doing that. I was just talking to Melanie about that last night. And, and, and just one thing after another where it's just like, it's a constant fight. And I was just thinking about this very thing that we're talking about. Who cares? <laughs> because if none of that junk surprised God and all the troubles that I'm having is probably just Hassatan trying to bring me down, but God's way ahead of him in the chess game. He's already, God's already got checkmate established. Amen. And I'm just, I'm just the pawn on the board. God's going to use me to take down that king.
1: Me too, Daniel. I'm with you.
0: You get what I'm saying? Yes. Yep. That's the absolute, that's the foreknowledge of God. That's why it says he predestinated us. He didn't predestinate us because we were so special and we don't have to, we don't have to obey. It doesn't matter what we do. We're going to hell no matter, Or we're going to heaven no matter what we do, which some people think that's not what it means. It means I've got the end goal in mind. And if you will trust me, you'll get there.
1: That's all it is. Yes. Right. Amen.
0: You know, and, and and realize that you know God knew that Terah was gonna be a, a goober and give up. But he had Abraham waiting in the wings. You with me? Yes. yes <laughs> Yes. All right, back to Genesis. blessing, I will bless you. Oh, you will be a blessing. I will bless them that bless you. And him that curses you, I will curse. And in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. This was the gospel. This was not only to the man. For that day, this was the very gospel. And that's what Shaul is explaining over in Galatim, Galatians chapter 3. So Avram went as Yahweh had spoken unto him. Look at this in the previous chapter. Let us make a name for ourselves. Now look at Abraham. I'll make your name great. You'll be a blessing. I will bless him that bless you Him that curses you. I will curse and you. Shall all the families of the earth be blessed? Now there is some truth that if we are of the family of Abraham, that this applies to us. The difference is Avraham wasn't seeking for anybody to be cursed. Are you with me? There are people, in my opinion, in the world of faith who sort of salivate over this, ever seen it? Yeah, they uh,
1: I think I have.
0: I've seen it. Yeah, they they, they want God to curse other people, and I think that's a dangerous way to think myself.
2: It's like they try to hold it over people like they have some hidden power over them.
0: Mm -hmm. that
2: they can call on God to get the material things and to curse other people. You know, they just, they, they throw that stuff around probably not even, well, obviously not even understanding what they're doing.
0: In my opinion, it's a form of witchcraft. Yes. That self-righteousness, because you feel like you are not sinning and therefore you can speak bad things over other people. You need to be very careful about that. Yeah. Yeah. And so what what does the scripture say about rebellion? It's a sin is witchcraft, right?
1: Witchcraft, right. Yep. Yes.
0: Right. yes. And so I think that that's, I think that the way that Joe described this, because I have seen it, I've been a victim of it. In in the sense of not, I'm not whining about having been a victim of it. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that people have used that magic on me, hoping to bring me down. And I think I've told this before, but it's it's been since about 2003, 2002, somewhere along in there, when a preacher who I served Messiah with for about a year, and I, we, my wife and I started seeing things in the congregation that we weren't comfortable with. And it wasn't in this congregation, it wasn't the sexual perversion and the monetary, the lust for money that we'd seen in the previous one. But in this one, it was just a lack of love between the brethren. And, a, and a, we go to the, the home fellowships that were sponsored in elders homes And the elders were jockeying over where to put the bad people, you know, who's home, who's going to take them, you know? And, and it made me sick. I was like, and you know, the, the the preacher had put me in the position of a singer first who loved to be up there to sing. He found out I could sing and he put me up there to sing bass in this guy's place. and, And I didn't know it. I was just asked to sing, but then I find out later it was to demote the other guy, get, get him kind of off the stage. And then he did the same thing with me with a guy who was dying, having to go sit in an iron lung for, I don't know how long at a time who was teaching the youth. And they did the same thing with me there. They brought me in one time when the guy was sick. I didn't know it. I knew none of this stuff to teach about the tabernacle to the youth. The youth loved it. And so they put me in this is, this was, to me, there's the straw that broke the camel's back, that and the the bad mouthing of of members that went on. And I called him and told him, I said, and I was gracious about it. The scripture ran through my mind. God hates someone who stirs up strife between brethren. That was not what I was trying to do. And I I called him personally. I didn't send him an email or anything. I called him and I said, we're bowing out and we're just going to, wait for a season and see what God has for us to do. And he asked why. And I said, well, we don't see a lot of love in the congregation. Oh, how can you say that? I was like, well, I'm looking at it from my perspective and I'm just telling you what I see. And he immediately went to pronounce a curse over me because he thought I was cursing him. And he, he predicted in the name of the Lord that my life would be destroyed in one year if I left. That's a curse. Is that what God is talking about right here? What's the big difference in what God said here in verse three? No. What's the difference between what God says in verse three and what that man did?
2: God said he would do the curse. The- Bingo. <laughs> I.
0: <laughs> I. I will curse. It's not our job to curse people. And Christians yeah. do it all the time. Believers do it all the time. Even if they just say it in this sort of the, the third party way, Oh, God's going to curse you. Well, you don't know that. Who do you think you are?
2: I was going to say that there kills another sacred cow too, because of um, a lot of people say that, that, god won't curse and he won't curse people he won't you know he's all love so he won't do anything he won't allow anything bad or he doesn't have anything to do with bad he says right here i will curse you that's right or, or curse, or curse you. You that's know, right?
0: right and here's the thing yeshua bore the curse for everybody mm-hmm. and yeshua is the offspring of abraham he's the seed he's the seed and the only people who inherit this curse are the ones who reject that and so if we're in the program and we believe that we are heading toward that gate at the end you know at the end of the program and we're, we're meandering around in it who cares what happens in the program. My concern is getting to that gate. I hope this is making sense. Yes, sir. All right. That's good. And so the curse doesn't happen until the end of the program. Everything else is what men do to each other. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: Are you with me? Yes. yes, sir. yes. So... Yeah, it's not my business who's who's out there getting cursed because of the way they treat me as bad as it hurt. You guys all know, as bad as it hurt. I never cursed anybody. I, I did say the truth about what I believe happened when when people were were courageous enough and come to me to ask me. I told them the truth. But I didn't curse anybody. I didn't speak a curse over anybody. I still haven't. I won't. It's not it's not God's way. And it's, I, I try not to make it my way. You know, Um because they got to deal with him. I got it. I want to I deal with him. Oh, I know I'm okay with him. And I ain't okay with him if I'm going around cursing people. <laughs> I ain't his. You never see Abraham do it. Yep. Yeah, and it is witchcraft. That's exactly what it is. Okay. Any questions about that?
1: No. No, very good. Thank you.
0: Mm -hmm. All right. So Avraham went. So it's still Avram. So Avram went in verse four. Vayelech Avram. As Yabba had spoken unto him. And Lot went with him. And Avram was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. And Avram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran, and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they king. And Avram passed through the land into a place of Shechem, unto the Terebinth of Moreh, and the Canaanite was then in the land. And Yahweh appeared unto Avram and said, Unto your seed I will give this land. And he built there a Mizbeach unto Yahweh, who appeared unto him. And he removed from there unto the mountain of the east of Baal and pitched his tent, having Baal on the west and I on the east. And he built there a Mizbeach unto Yahweh and called upon the name of Yahweh. And Avram journeyed going on still toward the south. That's a lot of information, but something that I want you to see. Is one, two, three, four, five, six times. What do you see? He called on his name. Bingo. Our Jewish people teach that Abraham did not know the name. But look what he did. He built a Mishbeach unto who? Unto Yah. Yah appeared unto him. He built an altar to him. He built another altar to him. And he called upon the name in front of The Canaanites. Think about that for a minute. What's the impact of that?
1: Making his name known.
0: Making his name known. Declaring his name among the Canaanites. How did, so when Avram built that altar Paint the scene for me. Who's got a mind imaginative enough to paint the scene for me? What would it look like?
1: It would look like some rocks placed upon each other.
0: Where? Mountains.
1: Huh? Oh, on the Mount.
0: On mountains
1: on mount maybe the temple mount
0: well regardless of the mountain let's not focus on that but okay on mountains what does that do to those altars
2: make them more visible they're They're very visible
0: you can see them for miles around because what is he doing on that altar On the name yeah. yeah. Joe said it. Joe, you guys, everybody's right. He does call on the name, but Joe, say it again.
2: He was doing the sacrifices, so he was burning the sacrifices. He Never was burning
0: smoke. a big beast on that altar. What okay. does that do around the countryside?
1: Smell like barbecue.
0: They see it. They smell it. They hear it. This is in your face.
1: All while calling on the name of Yah, the one true God.
0: And I'm willing to bet that because there were no highways and trucks and industry and factories and all that junk, that they could hear him. Because when do you do that? When do you do this? When do you do that? You guys know this. Called upon the name. When do you do that? My wife said it. You guys hear it?
1: No, I didn't hear it. When do you do it? When I'm praising them.
2: That's a bot. In the, in, in the morning
0: in the morning in the afternoon in the, day, in in the evening, noontime, in the evening. <laughs> and in the evening right about meal time
2: yes uh-huh.
0: everybody around him is sitting down to dinner <laughs> things are quiet and abraham's over there calling on god's name And sending smoke signals, and the the air the aroma of it is wafting through the countryside. And he did that in multiple places. Are you starting to see the reason why I want to slow down and look at this?
2: Yes.
1: Yeah, that's good.
0: All right. What he was doing was in your face. It was obvious they were worshiping every every other thing you could imagine, and he was worshiping someone that they could not see, something that he did not make something that had someone who had a name.
1: And they never heard it before.
0: And they had never heard that name before. And if they had, they had forgotten it. And it, it's just, it, it's, this, is, this is huge to me. And our, our Jewish people miss this because they've been told, like you've been told that Abraham came out of war. They've been told for 2000 years Abraham didn't know the name. To
1: me, this is huge. Yeah, this this is huge. It is. It really is.
0: Not only did he know it, but he declared it and he made it, he made it great among the nations, among the heathens because the Canaanites, again, descend from Ham. I'm not going to hammer that again because we did it on Adrash. We did it here a couple of weeks ago, uh, last week and the week before. But, you know, these are the descendants of that bad incident and God predicted that they would be worse, that they would get worse. And now God planted Avram right in the midst of them and said, and, and, and basically told Hasatan, watch this, you know, and, and everywhere Avram went, he worshiped God, called on his name. Okay. So I think this is big personally. All right. Moving on. Anybody? You ready? Yes. And there was a famine in the land and Avram went down to Mithraim to sojourn there for the famine was sore in the land. It's kind of, kind of similar to the trouble that I was telling you. Right? The trouble hit. Avram didn't even think about it. Okay, pack my bags. We'll go to Mithraim. <clears throat> when he come near to Mitzrayim, that he said unto Sarai his wife. Behold now, I know that you are a fair woman to look upon, and it shall come to pass that when the Mitzrim shall see you, that they will say, this is his wife, and they will kill me. But you they will keep alive. Say, I pray that you are my sister, that it may be well with me for your sake, and that my soul may live because of you. And it came to pass that when Avram was coming to Mitzrayim, the Mitzrayim Mitzrayim beheld the woman that she was very fair, and the princes of Paro saw her and praised her to Paro, and the woman was taken into the house of Paro, and he, he dwelt well with Avram for her sake. And he had sheep and oxen and donkeys and men servants and maid servants and female donkeys and camels. And Yahweh plagued Paro and his house with great plagues because of Sarai Avram's wife. And Paro called Avram and said, What is this that you have done unto me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say, She is my sister, so that I took her to be my wife. Now, therefore, behold your wife, take her away and go your way. And Pharaoh gave men charge concerning him, and they brought him on the way and his wife and all that he had. So right here, you have God doing exactly what he said he would do. And Avram didn't. God didn't say or Avram didn't say, well, God will curse them. I don't, you know. He was cautious about going over there and he knew what they would do. He knew their customs, knew how they thought. And so he said to do this. They'll kill me and they'll keep you alive. He knew the danger of it, right? So he allowed God to protect him in my view. Because look what happened. Yahweh plagued Paro and his house with, with great plagues because of Sarai, Avram's wife. <clears throat> Melanie's asking, does Avram show fear here?
2: Sounds like it. I have always thought that he was just being deceitful there.
0: Well, look at this. There's he told one. the truth, though. He did tell the truth. He knew what was going to happen. The phrase that I think tells us more about it is that phrase right there. And I'm going to find it in the Hebrew. This is in verse 13. Verse 13. For your sake in your service all right Ba all right say I pray that you are my sister that it may be well with me for your sake. Ba. Because of you. He's protecting Sarai. He doesn't right. want her contaminated, forced into being an adulterous woman. He's she's married. Right.
1: And and he doesn't want to, he, he's looking at it so that they won't kill him and capture her and make her become a part it's of It's okay it. to preserve your own
0: life, right? My soul will live because of you. Yes, he is concerned for his wife, or his own life. But that word right there is saying he's got Sarai in mind for your sake. It'll go well Amen. for me because of you. For your sake. <clears throat> Do you see that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see it. He's her protector. Good or bad. He's trying to do what he was exactly designed to do, which was to protect her. Right. Yes. And so he doesn't have to. If he's doing what he's supposed to do, which is a Torah precept that a man is covering over his wife. Right. Yes. Then he doesn't have to worry about the outcome. God will take care of it. And that's exactly what happened. And this happens three times in the in the stories of the patriarchs, doesn't it? It's a cut twice for Abraham and once for Isaac. If I remember right, didn't he didn't he have the same issue with uh, Avimelech that Isaac did?
1: Yes, the exact same one. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So, so. This was a custom, it was sort of the nature of the people of that day to just take whatever woman they wanted. It going right back to the days of Noah, 500 years before.
1: Is that what David did?
0: Yep, that's what David did. So it's kind of forced adultery is what it is. All right, but Paro called Avram and said, What is this? He recognized where, where the curse came from. And so, <clears throat> why did you not tell me? See, God doesn't talk to Paro, right? It just says that Paro called Avram and said, what is, this, what is this that you have done to me? Why didn't you tell me she was? He knew just based on the fact of what was happening. I personally believe, it's like I tell you, there's no such thing as an atheist. I think these people knew that the junk they were worshiping was junk that they created with their hands. And they still, they're only, it's like I said, Shim is just, just now cold, just now cold in the ground. At this point, you know, he's not far gone. These people know this guy. What does Shim's name mean? Name. Name. <laughs> Everybody knew his name. His name, name. (laughs) (laughs) He named name. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody knew that guy and they knew his God. And Avram is his student. And Avram's calling on this guy, this, yeah, and so they know who God is. They know it. They just don't want him. And Because he knew exactly what had happened. And he's the one that says, he didn't even ask you, take your wife and go. (laughs) He knew he was, he knew she was his wife. After that. You see that? Yeah. All right. He went up out of Mitzrayim, he and his wife, with all that he had, and lot with him, into the south. And Avram was very rich in cattle and silver and gold, and he went on his journeys from the south, even to Be'el, unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Be'el and Ai, unto the place of the Mizbeath, which he had made there at the first. And Avram called there on the name of Yadwath. Another, after six accounts, we have a seventh, where Abraham knew his name. And Lot also who went with Abraham had flocks and herds and tents, and the land was not able to bear them, but they might dwell together, for their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between the herdmen of Abraham's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. Are you starting to get an idea that this is not just two dudes in some tents? Absolutely, yeah. but you know what just came to mind? What's that?
1: Lot L- and that he was declared righteous, yeah, and be- because he watched Avram all this time and and followed after him and patterned himself after him in the way he was.
0: Absolutely, completely. Absolutely, he was educated by Avram. <clears throat> all right, and it's it's just because they're flocks are bumping into each other and their herdmen are starting to you know butt heads with each other and that's why they have to separate but this tells you there's a lot of people there and a lot of cattle and a lot of gold and silver and this is a major camp and the point that I'm the point that I'm making is These two dudes were very, very noticeable. Don't you think? Yeah. I mean, if it's just two guys and their wives and two tents or four tents, okay, you might miss them. But you ain't fixing to miss that camp. (laughs) And everybody there was calling on the name of Yahweh in all likelihood. We always think of him being by himself when we read this. Guilty? Yeah. He didn't do it by himself. He had 300 people worshiping with him. How do we know that? How do we know that they were submissive to his form of leadership and worship? Anybody guess? We're about to get to it. It's going to tell us. Do you remember Mm. La, 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 la. Mueller. Yeah, Melanie says they're following him around, that's it, that's one thing, but there's something huge about to happen that tells us every one of them were on board with his worship. Anybody got nothing what if I what if I did this <sighs> Does that help you
1: It's so tiny I can't see what the heck is that Oh a pen.
0: That is oh a knife. Good. Oh no.
1: What about the <laughs> that Covenant.
0: What kind sacrifice. of sacrifice? What?
2: Oh, of covenant. They were circumcised. He circumcised all of them.
0: Circumcision. Uh, 300 men submitted to circumcision yes. as grown men. Okay, okay, okay. I got it. These men worshiped right along with him. That's, that's the only point that I'm trying to make. This is the scene has to be right in your head in order to fully understand this. Amen. All right. This is a camp that is going out on Shabbat and worshiping God in front of the whole Canaanite land. They, this is going on. He's moving all over the land, creating altars and calling on God's name with 300 men and their families with them. Off, cooking, an, uh, you know, offering enough for them to eat, by the way, these are big deals.
2: And I like to probably mm-hmm. at least 600, probably talking kids, at least 900 people there.
0: Bingo. This is a major camp. <laughs> and it's never depicted that way. I don't think I can't think of any time in the history of me watching TVs and reading books and looking at pictures that it's ever been pictured that way.
1: Or preach that way. Or preach
0: that way. I've exactly. never
1: heard that. I've never had that picture. But do you think God. I'm pl- completely off my rocker? I think you're rocking on rock. All right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I do like to rock. <laughs> And my rocker is solid on the rock on this. I, I, I can't unsee that. Yeah,
1: I can't now either. I'll never not unsee that.
0: And look at this. The cana Kino- I mean, and the Perizid dwelt in the land. All right? You know that they were concerned about them. You know they knew they had neighbors. <laughs>
2: right? Mm-hmm.
0: All right, And Abraham said unto Lot, let there be no strife, I pray, between me and you and between my herdmen and your herdmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself, I pray, from me. If you'll take the left, I'll go to the right. If you take the right, I'll go to the left. So Abraham was being a gentleman, letting Lot make the decision. He lifted up his eyes and beheld the plain of the Ardennes, that it was well watered everywhere before Yahweh destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like Gan Yahweh like the land of rhyme, So the land of Israel at this point is lush and green, especially along the Jordan. If you go to Israel today and you're riding on the, let let me get it right in my head. You're riding on the northerly slash westerly side of the river, it's green. But if you go across the river, if you just look across the river, because there's a highway we rode down from the Golan all the way down the river, Jordan, down to Jerusalem, we took the river road all the way down and on the right side, because we're going sort of southerly. So the right side is the westerly direction. Hopefully I've got those directions right in my head. The right side is green and over on the left side across the river is dead. It's a desert. Okay, back then both sides were green. We know that because just 200 years, 230 years after this, give or take a few years, uh, Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh, half of Manasseh, decide to stay on the Jordan, uh, on the the other side. So back up 230 years, that whole land is green and lush, and that's why Lot picks it. Says it's like gun yewa There's your vocabulary word, guys. Yep. You see that?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yep.
0: All right. <clears throat> like the land of Mitzrayim. So Mitzrayim was green as well, as you go unto Toar. So Lot chose him all the plain of the Ardan, and he journeyed the east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. Avram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and moved his tent as far as Sidon. Now the men of Sidon were wicked and sinners against Yahweh exceedingly. And Yahweh said unto Avram, after that lot separated from him, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, north, south, east, and west, for all the land that you see will I, to you will I give it, and to your seed forever. And I will make your seed as the dust of the earth. So if a man can number the dust of the earth, then so shall your seed also be numbered. Arise, walk through the land in the length of it and in the breadth of it, unto you will I give it. And he moved his tent and came and dwelt at the terebinths of Mamre, which are in Hebron, and built there a mizbeath unto (coughs) Yahweh. What does that tell you? Yeah, Melanie says eight times he called on the name at least. Probably way more than that. We're just getting... So do you think that he parked under these mountains, spent all that energy building an altar, mind you, finding the stones, knocking them into the right shape if he needed to, hauling them up a mountain, (laughs) building an altar, do you think it was a one-time sacrifice on that altar? No, I think this went on week after week. Yep. Thoughts about that? Do you agree? What she say? Oh, well, Melanie, saying, she said it's kind of like it shows he's taken the land for Abba. Absolutely. But do you, I mean, do you agree? Do you agree that it was probably more than once? Can I infer that from this? Can I assume that and it be egregious or is it justifiable?
1: I, th- I think it's it's justifiable because he his worship of yah. Was all he? he always was regular. Was
0: there, yeah. yeah, his worship mm-hmm. was regular. He didn't just build the altar and worship there one time and then let it sit. Well, yeah, man, with the camp,
2: was huh? Also, with a camp that big, it's not something you're not just a, a solo traveler. We can just travel light, pick up, and move. So you yeah. know that big, that much work. Yeah, it would be. They would. They would have been staying there for a while.
0: They stayed there for a while. Exactly, and they called on Yah persistently. That's the point that I want you to stick, that I want to stick in your mind, is that this was a lifestyle. We look at these altars as one little event, one little moment in time, and that's not what it is. These altars are days and weeks to build and months and years to worship at. And he Amen. even reused it. He built it so well at Beit El that he went back and used it again. That's not... Question. That's not... a Yeah, just a second. That's not a campfire that you can kick leaves onto and walk away and never see it again. <laughs> right?
1: Right. Well, okay. you know what? I don't know because in my mind, I, I mean, even though I went to Israel and I saw... The altar and Dan how big that was I guess when I'm thinking about this <coughs> altars, because I was thinking about a small camp and I, I'm, I wasn't even thinking about him putting the big old animal on it to see how big the altar was so in my little small pea brain everything was small mm-hmm. and I didn't mm-hmm. see it as big but question with the altars being built wherever Abraham went and how I mean, him calling on the name. Were were the other nations and people building altars somewhat of the same, mimicking the same thing, but uh, unto other gods? And did, I know this is probably a far-fetched question, but because he built it there and then left, you know, do you think people came up, people came along behind him and also used it, but for evil?
0: I think certainly the risk is there, but I, I don't infer that they did because Abraham wouldn't have used them again. And their worship was indoors in temples. God's wasn't. At this point, God didn't need a temple, didn't want a temple.
1: Gotcha, okay.
0: He had, a, he had one particular mountain in mind that we're about to get to, where he would put a temple but not because he needed it but because man needed it all right so like melanie said this is this is abraham going around marking his spot claiming the land for yah that's what he's doing oh uh, yeah he's going around establishing <clears throat> ownership <clears throat> And the Canaanite cities were, now when, when we read that uh, the Canaanite and the per- Perizi were dwelt in the land, that probably meant that they weren't in cities. That probably meant that they were also herdsmen, okay? But then you have Sidon that, were, that, were men- that we just mentioned, right? And that is a fortified city. There were 13 of those fortified cities in the land. And that's where they worshiped was in those cities and they were sexual temples. They would go in there for all manner of perversion and they sacrificed humans. And so they had specifications for their altars and you had to be able to burn a human on it, you know? So they, they, they were different. What you needed to do for God was to burn an animal on it such that you, you could eat it or he could eat it. He could consume it, you know, but the the animals were all offered and we find out through the temple worship that the priests ate it. Well, Abraham and his men are priests of their homes. All right. And so I think we can infer that they were eating part of the animal and leaving the rest for God, burning it. Okay. Uh, But the point that I'm making is, yeah, this is a permanent, a semi-permanent thing. This is not just a little campfire this is huge. It's visible. It's smellable. You know, it's hearable. It's worship. It's going on in front of these clowns that are worshiping everything and living so perversely and so in such debauchery. And they're seeing the contrast between them. Abraham's moving through all the land, showing them what a righteous life is like.
1: This is good stuff. I'm I'm so glad that My brain has expanded and and can see a bigger
0: picture. Cool. That's the goal. All right. Questions? All right. It came to pass in days of Amraphel, king of Shinar, Arioch, king of Elassar, Kedor, Lamor, Omer, king of Elam, and Tidal, king of Goim, that they made a war with Bera king of Sidon and with Birsha, king of Amorah, Shinav king of Adma, Shemeber king of Tzivoim, and the king of Bela, the same at Zoar. All these came as allies unto the Vale of Sidim, same as the Salt Sea. 12 years they served Kedorlaomer and in the 13th year they rebelled and in the 14th year came to Kedorlaomer And the kings that were with him, and smote the Rephaim in Asherot, Karnaim, and the Zuzim in Ham, and the Emim in Shaveh, Kiryatayim, and the Hori, in the Mount Seir, unto El Paran, which is by the wilderness. And they turned back and came to En Mishpat, the same Mishkadesh, and smote all the country of the Amalaki, and also the Amori, that dwelt in Hatzatzon Tamar. And they went out the king of Sodom and the king of Amorah and the king of Admah and the king of Sivoim and of Bela, the same at Zawar, and they set the battle in array against them in the vale of Sidim against Kedorlaomer king of Elam and Tidal king of Goim, Amraphel of Shinar Ariohavelasar four kings against the five what a big mouthful did you catch everything that happened though this is a, a, a conquerors bent on conquest is what this is where is Shinar? Iraq. Over in Iraq. It's this area right here. I don't know if you can see my cursor moving. Yeah, we see it. You see my cursor moving? Yep. That's Shinar, especially kind of more down in this direction. So bunch of kings over here gather together and they start moving west and then they start descending down to where the Salt Sea is and I don't believe it was there yet. Thoughts? Salt Sea is right about here, the Dead Sea. But on this map, it's interesting, it's not there. Care to guess why?
1: Lot's wife. It's part of it. Hadn't happened yet.
0: Yeah. Sodom and Amora, I believe, sat right there where the salt sea are. That the destruction of those two cities created that sea that's what i believe
2: huh. that's very interesting
0: i just find it interesting that it's not on this map these rivers are the jordan is not here and the dead sea is not here
2: hmm.
0: all right this is just a personal belief that i have but i think there's i think this is kind of sort of evidentiary that it's it's probably not there He says, he does mention it. The same as the salt sea, but I think at that time, it's just a valley. I think it's a river valley.
2: Okay. So how would the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah create that? That's what I'm trying to wrap my head
0: around. God created it with some sort of scientific anomaly. Meteor? I don't know. We'll get we'll get deeper into it when we get to that chapter. But I'm, I'm kind of setting you up for that chapter. Melanie and Tracy mentioned Watt's wife turned into salt. Right. Right. I don't think that's a coincidence. That word is in there for a reason. Why not sand or mud or, <laughs> or stone? You know, why salt? salt sea okay so uh, I think there was some sort of particular science behind that valley you know what, whatever was under the grass was conducive to creating whatever destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah along with whatever God did because God did it are you with me it's kind of like a flood God did it but he used the science to do it Right. The science is nothing but our interpretation of what God does. Right. And so in similar fashion, something was particular to that location that whatever that phenomenon was that God timed just right and destroyed it, it created the salt sea. That's what I think. Okay, it's not a salvation issue, not something that we really need to dwell on. But I think it's worth looking at and considering. All right. So you have all these armies marching through. And coming down and getting right around in in here because the the Jordan River goes through the Salt Sea and then goes to this Gulf of Aqaba, if if I'm remembering that right, right there. All right. Starts up here in the mountain, actually right about here in Mount Hermon, the river comes down, goes through Galilee, goes all the way down to the Salt Sea, which is right about here. All right. And they come and kind of attack Sodom. And they took Lot, Avram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom and his goods and departed. And there came one that had escaped and told Avram the Idri, holy mackerel, there came one that had escaped. The escaper. I think that's a little micro view of a nut's all. All right. He ran to Abraham's bosom. Mm. Who, who was dwelling by the tents of Mamre.
1: The Hebrew.
0: Yep, the Ivri. Avram the Ivri. Who was, who dwelt. By the tents, the terebinths of Mamre, the Amori, So an Amorite was had some trees. And Abraham was living under them. And they were confederate with Abraham. They were in league with Abraham. Okay. And when Abraham heard that his brother was taken captive, he led forth his trained men. Born in his house. three hundred and eighteen. There's the number that I was tossing around a while ago. That's just his. And then there's well, that's lots. That's
2: just his trained men.
0: Yeah. But that's just his. That's not lots. So that when they were one camp, that's probably 500 trained men at least. Right? So now the number getting bigger than the 1,000 we were hammering at a while ago. Mm-hmm. All right, And he divided himself against them by night, he and his servants, and smote them and pursued them unto Chovah, which is in the the left hand of Damascus. So they chased him. Look how far they chased him. The Dead Sea is down here. The Vale of Sedim is down here. Chase, 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 chase. That'd be a few hours by car today up to Damascus. Quite a ways.
1: Is that Dan? What's that Dan right there? Who's
0: that? I don't see it yet.
1: And pursued as far as Dan. Where well, you got the gray, that same line. Right. As far as Dan, is that talking about what that, we know
0: is Dan? Well, that's, that's from later knowledge. This is Moshe writing this.
1: Right. That's what I was just wondering. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And that's up in the north. If I remember right, Dan was up in the north of Israel. So that would be here. All right. And then they divide so it as far as the message.
1: And I was thinking, too, when it mentioned the salt, the, the sea of the um, salt sea for knowledge, because he wrote it. Big you it. Know, and, and he put it in He's it.
0: writing from the frame of reference of Moshe who walked all around the salt sea and, and yeah. And settled the, you know, Yahoshua settles the tribes, you know, he knows where the tribes are going to settle. So yeah, it's, it's past. It's, it's being written after it happened. So they use contemporary references for antique ideas. It's kind of like today we were talking about, uh, President Lamar of Texas sending people to Santa Fe, which at the time wasn't in New Mexico. It was in disputed territory. But for the sake of reference, we said Santa Fe, New Mexico. It's kind of the same thing. All right. He brought back all the goods and also brought back his brother, Lot and his goods, and the women also, and the people. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him and again, what I want you to see is a whole lot of time and effort and energy and stuff has happened in this little brief paragraph. Do you see that? Travel. Look how far they travel. That's, that's got to be 600 miles at least, if not more. From there to there, if you can see my cursor moving, And they went all the way up there and then they come back. And Abraham is dwelling over here somewhere, if I'm remembering Beit El correctly, and the other, uh, Mamre is over here somewhere, kind of northwest of where they are, where this happened. All right. Treks all the way up there, captures this army, slays them, and grabs all the boot, the bounty. I was going to say booty because that is what it's called in some translations, the plunder, hauls it. These are 600 men plus the armies that were Confederate with Avram. This is 1,000, 2,000 people. And they're hauling it down this line and, and getting back. And then what is about to happen happens. Time, energy, effort, people. This is so much more than you see when you just read. Are you with me?
2: Yeah, it's continuing to grow too. As the more we get into it,
0: exactly. This is not, you know, we, we get such a small picture of this in our mind, and it and it's preached in such a small way. <laughs> this is huge. This is this is, you know, the Battle of San Jacinto wasn't even that big. Do you realize that?
2: What? The oh, Battle violent.
0: of Sa- huh?
2: I was just going to say, why would these kings want to rise up against him if he wasn't making a presence?
0: Yeah. But but to show you the magnitude of this, how, how big do you think the Battle of San Jacinto was? Sorry, Tracy, you didn't take Texas history, so you, you probably have no idea.
1: I know. I was like, I know the name, but I don't know that history.
2: But we probably had, what, 300 or so on our side?
0: It was 700. 100. yeah and and if i remember right we outnumbered santa anna by a couple hundred because we captured a part of his army we captured his chunk of his army they outnumbered us but we captured a small chunk of his army the battle lasted 18 minutes and they were done well, this went on <laughs> for days because they were on foot traveling all that way are you with me
2: Mhm.
0: all right he brought back all the goods his brother lot and his goods the women all their people thousands of people and the king of Sodom went out to meet him so the king of Sodom is coming out to meet Avram after his return from the slaughter of Kedorlaomer and the kings that were with him at the vale of Shaveh the name is the king's veil. And Malkitzedek Melech Shalem brought forth bread and wine and was coin of El Elyon. Bam. Big old verse right there. Love it. Never mentioned before?
1: Shabbat Shalom.
0: Only mentioned two other times in all the Bible. Malkitzedek Melech Shalem. All right. Malki tzedek melech shalem. My king. Tzedek. My righteous king. Melech shalem. King of peace. My righteous king. King of peace. Oh. Brought out. hotsi. Somebody say the blessing over the bread.
1: Baruch Dag, I can't even remember the rest. Hamotzi lechem min haaretz v'hotzi Yeshua ha min hashio. sheol
0: Hamotzi lechem min haaretz v'hotzi. And from fourth. Yeshua min ha-she'ol. Hotzi lechem. Joe,
2: read that. I see that. All
0: right. Let me help you. See it now?
2: Yes, sir. Uh mm. buying by, 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 by
0: Look at it more closely, Jim. Are you are you taking a stab at it?
2: yeah, It's wine. Vayayin? Vayayin. Vayayin.
0: And okay. wine. Lechem vayayin. Oh,
2: that's right. Oh, we learned wine. that tonight. Okay. You sure sorry. did. That
0: was your vocabulary. Oh, you learned that's that tonight? You know. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> yeah. Yes, <Yeah>. you did. Yayin. Lechem vayayin. Behu kohen el He brought forth. Hotzi. Lechem vayayin. Behu kohen el Elión, priest of God most high. He brought forth bread and wine. The concept of bringing forth is the creative process. Mm. (laughs) To bring in Hebrew is mevi. Uh, It's a different verb. The, the point that I'm making is this is a very priestly thing that this guy is doing and it's in our blessing that we say over the wine and the bread alright and here you have this priest bringing the elements of Passover Well, I personally believe that this happened at Passover and one thing that supports that is most wars have been fought in the spring yeah especially yeah. back then. Nowadays, we don't so much worry about it, but back then they were fought during the spring was the ideal time to fight a war.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. And it's not a coincidence to me that this guy shows up who's a righteous king that belongs to God, Mal-Ki-Tedek, and he's king of peace, and he brings bread and wine to the victor's side. All right. There's a lot in that. We can't even dive into all of it. We're running out of time for one thing. Yep. Melanie's pushing for that blessing. <laughs> so let's go mm-hmm. read that. <clears throat> and he blessed him and said, Blessed be Avraham of El Elyon, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be El Elyon, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tenth of all. And the king of Sodom said unto Avram, give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. And Avram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted up my hand unto Yahweh, El Elyon, possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take a thread nor a shoe latchet nor anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Avram rich. Save only that which the young men have eaten and the portion of the men which went with me, Aner, Eshkol, and Mamre, let them take their portion. So Avram wouldn't take a dime from the king of Sodom. And Avram gave a tenth to Malkitere. Yeah.
2: That
0: is a tithe. All right? If you look in verse 20 in the Hebrew side, <speaking in> Hebrew> that's the word for tithe. A tenth of all, all right, so it wasn't a commanded thing. It was something that Avram recognized that he should do because he knew where his victory came from. And I personally believe that this is Yeshua and we'll have to get into that next week because it's almost nine o'clock already, all right? So what I'm gonna do, we've read all the way through. Any questions or comments about that? we'll try to help me remember to pick up here at Melchizedek in verse 18 when we get back in three weeks because we're not going to meet next week because I have a wedding to do, to go to. And the week after that is Thanksgiving. So we're off for two weeks, okay? So I'll try to write myself a note and make sure that we pick up here. But this is, is, the main thing I want to leave you with is how big this camp is. Look at what's going on here. Avram and his camp, Lot and his camp, Sodom and, and his camp, which was a city of about 10,000 men. I don't know how big the army was, typically about two to three percent, maybe. Huge thing going on here. They, they have eaten. They ate from the spoils, right? Those armies had animals traveling with them so they could eat. This is it. I wish I could make the movie. <laughs> so we can correct <laughs> this in people's minds. Are you with me? Yes. Huh. It's big. This is huge, and Malkeetek just appears out of nowhere, and we have to leave it there. Any thoughts or questions before we sign off? Whoa! Whoa! It's good for Veterans Day. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right. Avina Malkanu, in the name of your son, Yahweh Yeshua Mashiach, we do give thanks for your word. We ask you to correct our error and we ask you to reveal your truth, not only to us, but to those who watch after the fact. And we just ask you to be with us until Shabbat. Yeshua Mashiach.
2: Amen. Amen.
1: That's a lot right there.
2: That's a lot. Thank you, Daniel. Lala Tov
0: did
1: y'all get something hey Shelly yeah oh
0: yeah thanks for tuning in to listen to this week's Torah study class in the description you'll find all the links to our website and social media content please make sure you're subscribed to our podcast as we can be found on all major podcast platforms if you feel compelled to support this ministry please feel free to do so by donating via the get the word out link in the description All proceeds go toward growing this platform in the Mikdash Mayak ministry. Till the next time, we pray God blesses you with shalom in the name of Yahweh Yeshua Mashiach.